Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. So last week we um, <laughs> we preached on disturbance and um, I lost count of the number of times y'all are coming up to me this morning going, thanks for the warning and um, you wouldn't believe the disturbance. Some people are literally just passing by going, thanks for the warning. <laughs> and it's just, it's not my fault. Um, I'm just saying what I hear the Father say. <laughs> And we're going to continue in that. Um, we're going to continue talking about disturbance, although it's going to be completely different. And oddly enough, we're going to bring in, we spent the whole month of December on peace, right? And we're going to bring that back in here. Um, it's a different kind of word. Um, for those of you that were here last week, and we're here for talking about the disturbance of Jesus, you remember what, what we're saying is that, is that Jesus only disturbs things, first of all, because he sees the Father doing it, right? But secondly, because he only ever disturbs things, for those of you who are coming, either complaining or praising, I'm not sure which this morning, um, he's doing that because he wants you to have more life. He wants you to have more light. He disturbs what is not in alignment with the will of heaven right? That's love. He disturbs what, what is not from his Father's heart, okay? And we're, we're going to kind of review that this morning, but part of what we're going to do um, for sure today and maybe even into next week, apparently warnings are good, so I'm just going to warn you again, um, the kingdom of God is breaking out around here. There's a reason we're preaching about that. We're seeing miracles, lives ch changed, transformed in healing sessions. Y'all are coming and telling me the stories. But now here's the thing. Um, when, when these things begin, when the presence of the Lord begins to do things, we have an increased responsibility, don't we? There are, um, and you're going to understand far more as we move into this what I'm talking about, but but just for now, understand that the, the more the anointing, the more the presence of the Lord begins to operate in a place, the more responsibility we have to recognize that we are a temple of the Spirit and steward what He's doing. Is that right? So we're going to begin to dig into, um, it depends, I never know if I'm going to do half or the whole thing, and we're going to see what happens. Um, but... Depending how it goes, we're going to start to dig into some practical matters that if we are going to be a people that manifests the kingdom in this place, then we need to be a people that understand how to steward that, re that responsibility. So we're going to start digging into practical stuff. Um, I want to start by um, just reviewing what we've already talked about in terms of, of Jesus and how he disturbs what's not of heaven. And, you know, to do that, I'm going to start again, same place we did last week, Luke 11 and chapter 1. And while you're turning here, um, the context here is that I want you to note that this is not Jesus praying, this is Jesus answering the question, a disciple, the disciples asking the question, how shall we pray? Okay? It's important to get that because, in other words, this is, this is as if you asked the question, are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Okay, then this is your answer if you were to say, how should I pray? And here in verse 1 it says, now it came to pass 
as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, that, so Jesus was praying, right? And when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so Jesus answers like this. He says, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Okay, so start at Father. You're not getting anywhere. We talk about this all the time, and I guess I can't help myself. Uh, we're not getting anywhere unless we start in that relationship of Father. You are a son of the Father. Holy is your name. And then what? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what did, how did he say to pray? He said to pray <laughs> that the will of heaven would manifest here through you. And that's a big one. I almost want to say, I mean, we talked about it last week, but do you believe it? Do you believe that his will is that you are a manifester of the will of heaven, that you are bringing about what heaven's will is in this place that is contrary to the will of heaven. Do you feel honored when you hear that? That's God's will over you. That's the call on your life. Um, we're gonna get we're gonna get to a fine point on that. Okay, we're really gonna dig into. I want you to see in a new way. Um, what does that look like, really, to be one who manifests the will of heaven for him to cooperate in what the Holy Spirit is doing? What does that look like? Um, before we jump into the scripture, that's gonna start doing that though. I'm gonna do one thing. Okay. The last week of December, we talked about how Jesus is the Prince of Peace, right? But we also said he's the same guy who said, um, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. You all remember that? Or is that too far back? Okay. And we talked about, now you've got to keep this in mind as we move forward. We talked about that the peace of heaven, the peace, remember shalom, is the completeness. It's the fullness of God. Okay, that's what, that's what shalom means in the scripture. And the New Testament word peace actually translates better as prosperity than peace. And I think we're going to talk about that a little today. But, but it's important to bear in mind that as we talk about the peace of heaven coming into anything, the completeness, the prosperity, the activity, the will of heaven coming into anything, whether it's this church or your family community, the place where you work, you can, you can go on and on. It necessarily means disturbance, right? There is going to be upheaval, and you remember why that is. This place is contrary. Everything in human effort is contrary to the will of heaven, okay? So automatically, when the Spirit of God, when God begins to act in lives, begins to bring about the will of heaven, Upheaval is the first result. Amen? Don't be mad at me because, don't, don't hate me because I'm bald. It's just, it's just the word of God, okay? All right, so now I want you to see another perspective on this. Go to John chapter 3. We're going to start, I believe, verse 10, okay? And while you're turning there, I just want to tell you, I almost preached on this, and then the Lord did a redirect. You know, the first five chapters of John... Uh, the Gospel of John really are a, a progression of the Christian life. Have you ever noticed that? Jesus goes in, the interesting thing about the Gospel of John is it records, he instantly begins to have these encounters with different people. 
There's no like lead up, not a whole lot of, I should say, lead up story or anything. It's instant encounters with Jesus. And although it's different people that he's encountering, um, if you put yourself in the place of each person he encounters, you'll find that it's a progression and he does the exact same progression with you. It's progressing the life of Christ in us, the spirit in us, his, his plan to increase the kingdom by increasing it within you. Okay, so that's, that's the beginning of uh, the Gospel of John. Here in chapter 3, this is Jesus encountering Nicodemus. This is about midway in that process, okay? And I'm just going to give you the context. You know this context. This is the whole conversation where um, Jesus is talking with Nicodemus and, and they're talking about you must be born again by, by both the water and the spirit. And Nicodemus is saying, how can you be born again? And he's struggling. He's taken a fleshly mind to these spiritual matters and he's, he's struggling with it. Okay, so that's our context. In the context of that, starting verse 10, Jesus answers and says to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we've seen, and you do not receive our witness. I have told you earthly things and you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you having heavenly things? Now listen, verse 13, he says, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. Now, this is just leading us, but I have to stop here for a minute. Did you notice that it, he identifies himself, okay, as the one he's speaking of, the Son of Man, and he says, who is in heaven? So let me read that again. It says, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. Now, if this was an English assignment, you'd fail because the verb tenses, unless you understand what's going on, it's really bad English. <laughs> right? Because he came down from heaven. But I want you to notice that Jesus never considers that he's not still in heaven. It doesn't say was in heaven. It says in heaven, the, the Son of Man who is in heaven. Do you know, um, obviously he's far more than our model, but he's also our model, right? You know that, that Jesus, when he came down from heaven, which is mentioned in this passage, the scriptures are very clear that he laid down his deity. Okay, now let's be clear. He didn't stop being God. <laughs> he did not stop being God. But it is very clear that he did lay down all the benefits, all the attributes, abilities of being God. In other words, he, he was filled with the Spirit. He ministered by the Holy Spirit in exactly the same way he calls upon you to minister in the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? Are we tracking? Okay, so he came down from heaven, alluding to the fact that he laid that down, and yet he says, and yet I'm in heaven. Do you understand? There's a Jesus came, his peace is a sword. Okay, here I go. His peace is a sword, okay? And you, you just as his example, um, you might be here in this dark place, walking in this broken world system, this fallen system, but just as much it is his will that you are in heaven. Otherwise, how do you fulfill how he told you to pray? 
okay? That your will would be done, that heaven's will would be done here as it is in heaven. You can only do that if you're in the kingdom of God by the power of the Spirit, just as he did, okay? That's just introduction. That's just a side note. And it goes on, verse 14, now... Um, here's why we're reading this, okay? Verse 14 says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. I used to really struggle with that, okay? I used to wonder, like, why, why would Jesus be connected or likened to the serpent or to, to the word serpent even? Okay, now, this is so critical. You've got to track with me. Um, do you understand biblically, scripturally, throughout the word of God, that serpent always represents the same thing? Do you know what that is? Evil. It's curse, okay? Serpent is, is always representative. You can think right back to the Genesis story of the fall itself, okay? It was a serpent who came and did it. it listen, it's the demonic activity that facilitates or executes curse, in the fall, okay? So, so it says that um, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Listen, you know this verse, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So what's going on here? Listen, Jesus is lifted up as the curse, okay? And in that, we have life. In that, we are in the kingdom. As Jesus said here, in that, we are in heaven. And so we can become manifestors of the kingdom of heaven, the will of heaven. We become those, the temple of the Holy Spirit, who make the will of heaven happen. As I scan around, I can tell, <laughs> I can tell which of you are st still struggling with the idea. I'm just going to put out there, yes, God loves you that much. <laughs> It is his will that you are a manifester of the will of heaven. Go ahead and say it with me. It is God's will that I manifest the will of heaven. By his power, of course. <laughs> I always do that to you, don't I? Then I kind of drift off and then you're wondering like, am I supposed to still be repeating this? <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The, the original um, words actually say should have eternity. And they understood that that was kind of like synonymous with God, that you should have God himself. You should have eternity. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. So you're an agent of saving. Now listen to me, we're going to get clear on this, and I'm not just talking about salvation. I'm not just talking about bringing someone to the moment of saying the magical prayer. I'm talking about real saving. When the word of God uses the word salvation, it's talking about the kingdom of God breaking out, okay? I want you to look at Moses with me. Um, and this is, remember the parallel. I'm going to read this again before we move on. Verse 14 there said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now go to Numbers 21 and verse 4. 
And we're already going to begin to get some practical things that um, we are becoming, listen to me, we are becoming a body where, where the Spirit um, is going to be taking us into uncharted territory. That's the reason for the disturbance, okay? It just When that disturbance breaks out in your life, you just thank Him. <laughs> Do you know what He's doing? He's aligning you with the will of heaven. He's shaking anything that does not align with what he wants, what he is speaking over your life. Whew, quiet in here. That's a tough part, huh? <laughs> okay, verse 4. It says, Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Now notice that. What's the two, the two things they start speaking against when it doesn't go their way? God and Moses and their, the, the leaders, those ministers that he puts in place to have, ha to have the will of heaven keep moving forward. Okay? <laughs> and they say, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. This is really not what I'm preaching about this part here. But <laughs> yeah, y'all know already, don't you? I mean, what are they saying? In the, they loathe the daily provision of God for their life. It's not exactly what they had in mind. <laughs> yeah, they loathe, loathe the worthless bread. So, the, so listen, so the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Okay, you remember what serpents represent? Curse. And you notice this is plural. This is serpents. So what are we reading? You know, I, I tell you this all the time. In the Old Testament stories, you're reading a physical picture of a spiritual reality. That's true. That's, it's ongoing. He's eternal. It's a spiritual reality in your life when you read these stories. Okay? So what's going on here? God sends fiery serpents. In other words, he sends demonic activity. That's the spiritual picture that's being shown. He's, he's sending the bite of the curse through plural, serpents. Okay? Now, okay, I wasn't going to preach on this, but here we go. Um, I just, I, I have to put this out there. Do you know that when you speak ill of other ministries are those that God has put in place. I don't care if it's home fellowship leaders. or I, I don't care who it is. When, when you speak ill, when, when you are not in unity of spirit with leaders, when, you're, when your words are not speaking life over those God has put in place, you are inviting demonic activity to execute the curse in your life over your families. It does not please God. Okay? A little spank in there. Okay. Um, so don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Stop it. Okay, thanks. Okay, verse 6. Um, so the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people died. Many of the people of Israel died. Now the good news is what? 
Whenever we screw up, God's always got a way out. Even when we start doing what they're doing, complaining, and Lord, I don't like what your provisions for, are for me, and, and I don't really like you very much, and I don't really like Moses, and so forth. He's always got a way out, okay? So here's what he does. So then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent. I'm sorry, I skipped seven. We have to do seven. Verse seven. Um, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Okay? So what do you see? You're seeing a repentant heart. Okay? You're seeing a spirit of repentance come over the people for the way they've been speaking about each other and about God, about their unthankfulness for the provisions. Okay? And then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. Now listen, I can remember, this is one of those that back in, in the early days of beginning to really study the scripture, and early days for me, I mean, of studying the scripture and, and being a hardcore studier, um, this always perplexed me, like, why would it be a serpent? It almost sounds like a pagan idolatry or something. Why would it be a serpent on a pole? And if you know anything about the story of this serpent on the pole that Moses had, his staff, um, it would be that whenever he lifted this up, the power of God would break out on their behalf. Whether it was parting the sea or, or provisions or, um, or in this passage to, to make the serpents stop biting and killing them. And so the physical picture, when you lift up that pole, it stops the, the activity of our enemy, the demonic activity to execute the curse over things. When you lift that up, it's the lifting of curse. Do you see Jesus? <laughs> okay, Jesus, the word of God, we're going to read it in a minute actually, but I have to tell you now, the word of God tells us that Jesus became curse for us. It doesn't just say that he set, it sets us free from the curse. It, it literally says, in fact, let's read it. Let's read it. Galatians chapter 3 uh, and verse 10. says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Um, has anybody failed to do the entirety of the book of the law? Okay, good. Whew. It's not just me. And then verse 11, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. Yet the, law is not, yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. You know what? There's too much to teach there. That's a whole sermon, so we're going to move. But here's why we're reading this. Verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I got to read those words again. 
that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, okay? You know, the Holy Spirit comes upon you when you're executing the will of heaven, even in this our day. Comes upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now listen to me. Whenever Moses would hold up that rod, whenever he would exalt the prophetic image of Jesus becoming the curse for us, the power of God was available to them. Whenever you exalt Jesus crucified and raised, the power of God is available to you for the execution of the will of heaven. That's his will over your life. In other words, what did I just say? And this is really why we're doing this. Do you understand that the call of God on your life is to be a lifter of curse? Wherever you go, you temple of the Holy Spirit, Son of God, wherever you go, you are a lifter of curse. He means for you to carry the kingdom of God in 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 such a place of having the Spirit upon you that you execute the will of heaven where you go, which is a lifting of curse. Amen? Amen. Stop the serpents. You are authorized to stop the biting of the serpents in people's lives. How do you do that? We just read it. Exalt Jesus Christ. And the Spirit is upon you. When you lift the rod, the power of God is upon you. Do you know that, um, (laughs) do you know what the most disturbing, last week we talked about disturbance, the most disturbing act of heaven actually is His love. You know that? We see it in healing ministry all the time. It's just, it's um, such a privilege to go into sessions with hurting people who are not able to receive the love of God. I mean, you can stand there and have a conversation with them and go, do you know the Father loves you? And, the, and they're, they're like, yes. And you can, you can go, no, you don't believe it. I can just tell. You just can't receive that. And then you have a healing session and a person is transformed right there. And the next thing you know, they are a mess in the Father's love. They feel it basking over them. Words that never before a day in their life could they receive it. And the Lord, the power of the Lord, you lift Jesus up. The power of the Lord comes and heals them and they're receiving words they could never accept before a day in their life. We talk about things, you know, we, we, have, um, we have controversy over signs and wonders. And let me tell you something, that is signs and wonders, (laughs) okay? I I love physical healing. I love all the wonders, you know, financial miracles, and I love all the things that God does to love us. But let me tell you something. That (laughs) is signs and wonders that brings about the will of heaven. You talk about make the will of heaven begin to happen in this earth. Father, make us vessels where your will is done here. That's a privilege, That's the will of heaven. (laughs) No, I better leave that alone. (laughs) Now, we should do this. Do you know, (laughs) we're all friends here. (laughs) 
You know, I cannot imagine that in the courts of heaven, the company that's around the throne, that they're sitting watching the activity of God in the earth and they're, they're weighing things out going, going, whoa, now that was a sign and a wonder. Did you see that? When we knew you were doing amazing things down there, Lord, but we never expected you could do that. They're not doing that, right? Only we do that. We weigh things. And let me tell you, our scales are so broken, it's unbelievable. What we think is a sign or a wonder is, is the little things. And the, the transformation of a heart, bringing somebody to where they can actually receive the love of the Father, that's a wonder. <laughs> okay. okay, now I'm going to do something here. Um, and this, that was all introduction. This is what we're really doing. Um, <laughs> so, <clears throat> y'all want to be, y'all said last week you wanted to be a disturbance for the kingdom of God, right? You want to join him in his disturbing work. Um, you know that he is all about increasing the kingdom. Now, we'll talk about this enough. You know, where does that start? The kingdom is within you, right? So if the kingdom's going to increase, it's increasing within you. But I'm going to show you that he also has you as an increaser of the kingdom in this earth. Okay? I'm going to show you how that works. And we're going to go back to our buddy Noah. So go to Genesis chapter 8. And um, we'll start verse 6. That's the first book of the Bible. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so the context here, the, the storm has come. You understand the, the, the physical picture of the spiritual reality here. God is, God is cleansing. Talk about a disturbance. <laughs> a worldwide flood that wipes out everybody but Noah and his family. Okay? That's a disturbance. Well, now the waters are receding. Why does God disturb things? to bring it into alignment with the will of heaven. That's the only reason he invades and crashes in. It's always to bring us to himself. It's always motivated by the Father's love. Period, amen. No matter what disaster, no matter what's going on, it is, it is God's pursuing love because he's nuts about you. Okay? And that's what we're reading here with Noah. Now the waters are receding and their boat gets stuck on, the top, on Mount Arat, on the top of the mountain, okay? And in verse 6 here it says, So it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he'd made. Then he sent out a raven which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. Now listen, keep your finger there. We're going to keep reading, but you've got to get this. Trust me, this is leading to gold. He sends out a raven. Now, in their culture, that's an unclean bird. It's unclean. Why? It feeds on the flesh of the dead. Okay? Yes, there is a spiritual reality in our world that you're reading about here. He sends out a raven. The raven never returns to Noah because there's plenty of worldly stuff to feed on. There's plenty of dead flesh, the flesh of the dead, to feed on. So the raven never comes back. Verse 8, he also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground, but the dove listen, found no resting place. Hold those words. 
for the sole of her foot, and she returned into the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark to himself. Okay, so now he sends, the dove is not unclean. In fact, what does the dove always represent? The Holy Spirit. And it's always a representative what? Internationally, it's a represent with the olive branch. It's a peace, shalom, completeness, fullness, prosperity. Okay? So he sends it out that she finds no place to rest, no land suitable for resting. So returns to him. He holds out his hand, takes it back, and draws it into himself. Okay? What verse am I on? Thank you. And then verse 10, and, and he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth, and Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. Now keep your finger there. So what happens? The second sending sends it out, and the dove finds the promise of a place to rest and brings back the communication. Now listen to me. God is always trying. He, in your life, through this church, through any spirit-filled vessel, he is always trying to increase the kingdom. He is always trying to bring you upon new places for the spirit of God to rest so that, so that you're increasing the kingdom. You are, you are going out. You are, a, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? You are a carrier of the glory of God himself. You're the carrier of his peace, prosperity, the prosperity, the will of heaven. And he is ever calling upon you to carry that to places where it can rest and remain. I'm going to show it to you in the New Testament. If you're doubting me, we're going to go there in a minute. Um, verse 12 says, So he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him anymore. Why? It found, it found a suitable resting place, and it stayed. He kept sending and sending until the dove, the Holy Spirit, the peace, the will of heaven, found a place upon which it could rest. I see you. <laughs> Just say with me, um, that's the call on my life. Okay, you had to have some faith in me to do that because you don't know what I'm going to say next. <laughs> That's kind of fun. <laughs> okay, go with me to Matthew 10, and we're going to start about verse 5. Now, I want you to see this, that this is no mistake. Nothing's being made up here, okay? This is um, Matthew chapter 10. This is Jesus sending out the 12. In other words, he's sending out his closest disciples. Who's one of his closest disciples? <laughs> Amen. Are you sent out? Okay. This is his instructions to those he sends out. Verse 5 says, um, These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans. I'm not even going to touch that right now. But rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, you know, just suffice it for now to say, God really does, at least on occasions, <laughs> he really does want you to hear his word over you so that you know who you're going to, where, and for why, okay? 
And it says, as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's their message? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's your message? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yeah, the manifestors of the will of heaven. But now look what he does. He doesn't say just tell them. In verse 8, he says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. In other words, what? His instructions when he sends them out is he says, don't just tell them. Manifest the will of heaven on my behalf, you temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, you carrier of the dove, go and, and lift the curse over their life. Go and be a curse lifter. Amen? Okay, otherwise what are you doing? Do you know there's a million, you've heard me say this before, there's a million good things you can go do that have nothing to do with the increasing the kingdom of God that have nothing to do with bringing the will of heaven to the earth. In fact, often, 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 the most wondrous, the, most, the, the coolest, the, the things that are the most good are actually contrary to God. Do you know that? The enemy masquerades as an angel of light. What we're interested in doing is, is doing what the Father is doing, which is increasing the kingdom of God by taking his Holy Spirit places where it can rest and remain, where when we leave, God's there now. Amen? Okay. And so, verse 9, I flail too much. Verse 9, provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts nor bag for your journey nor two tunics nor sandals nor staff for a worker is worthy of his food. Now, I just want you to note for just a moment, we're just going to move on past it, but he told him don't take any worldly wealth with you. Okay, just note that. And then verse 11, now whatever city or town you enter, <laughs> listen, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. Now listen, I'm going to tell you about these words. Inquire is to test thoroughly or interrogate. And worthy really is kind of, um, means something to the effect of suitable. Okay? Prepared or suitable or ready. So what does he say? He's basically saying test thoroughly, examine, interrogate to find out who where you're going is suitable soil for you to stay with. Okay? Are we doing okay? Give me a nod if we're doing okay. You got that? Okay. All right. And he goes on and says, and when you go into a household, greet it. Now, that sounds funny to us. That's, that's like, um, obviously, I'm going to say hello if I go up to somebody's door. But greetings in their culture were really about naming. Okay, when you would greet, there would be, I'm the son of so-and-so from the land of whatever. And by the time you were done greeting, you had a good sense of who, what, when, where, why about my life. So they're saying, greet it. Tell them who you come from. <laughs> Tell them what you're up to. Okay? Verse 13, if a household is worthy, that's the same word. If a house is suitable... Now listen to the words, let your peace come upon it. In other words, and it always, if you look this up in original language, 
It's, it's always prosperity. Peace is really the prosperity of the kingdom of God. You, now remember, I told you to note that they weren't to take anything, right? So it's not saying bless them with the prosperity of the world or whatever. It's saying let your peace or your prosperity, the will of heaven, the prosperity of heaven that you carry come upon it. And he says, but if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. Okay? Are you seeing the parallel with, with Noah and the dove? This is the will of God. You want to know what the will of God is? Trying to decide if you should be married or move here or go this way or take this job or do that? I'll tell you what the will of God is on the matter. That you carry the Holy Spirit and you're always examining where, um, where you have found a suitable place for the Spirit to rest and remain. You're the carrier of that. That's His plan for your life, for you to take God to places, the Holy Spirit of God, to rest and remain where you go. And you're examining for the difference between where it's suitable and where it's not. I think I'm going to show you why in a minute, but we're um, maybe not. <laughs> and he says, And whoever will not receive nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. So what? Are the results your responsibility? No. But whether you're going out and and examining for places where God wants his spirit to be, and noticing, having him show you who and where that is, and having that authority, that peace, that prosperity of the kingdom come upon it, is that your responsibility? Yes. That's your call. Go ahead and say, that's my call. And I even believe it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't do that. That's dumb. <laughs> now, now here it is. And, you know, I'll, I'll kind of conclude with this, I think. In verse 15, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. In other words, for the city where, the, where, they, where they brought the prosperity of God and it didn't remain. It'd be more tolerable. So what, what's, what's this saying? Do you understand? What you have to know is that Sodom and Gomorrah was a place where they were really not ministered to. The prophets really did not come. It was a place that was destroyed for their sin, okay? And they didn't have the privilege of seeing the manifestation of the kingdom like this. They didn't have you going into their family or their community or to an individual or in this church bringing the will of heaven into it by the power of the Spirit. So in other words, what? When you do this, it's really important to recognize when you do this, it is blessing and curse. This is the sword of peace that we talked about. You follow me? This is the sword, okay? When you bring the power, the peace, the prosperity of the kingdom of heaven into someone's life and they receive it, and it's received, they join you in the inheritance. That's the blessing. But do you know it's also, it's a dividing sword. When they don't receive it, it brings judgment. 
Why does Jesus emphasize that you're discerning, that you're examining, interrogating to find out where is a suitable place for the Spirit of God, in a place, a heart, heart of a person? Because it's a blessing and a curse. It's the sword of peace. Amen? And then verse 16 says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. That had to be encouraging, you know? <laughs> he never was one to put icing on a, on a turd cake. <laughs> okay? He just told it like it was. Yeah, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Do you know that's true of you, right? That's true. If you're going to do what we're talking about today, we're talking about crazy, audacious faith that it is the Father's will that you are a carrier of himself, that you carry the glory of God, and that you are offering peace, prosperity, completeness, fullness. He said, heal the sick, set people free from the demonic, free people from bondages, open eyes, open blind eyes that cannot see spiritual truth. Go in the power of the Spirit and open people's blind eyes. Go in the power of the Spirit and open ears that before could not receive the Word of God, and now they can. You know that receiving the Word of the Lord is a, is a miracle. <laughs> That's a sign and a wonder, <laughs> okay? When you take somebody who couldn't receive the spiritual things of God before, and they receive that Word, they are healed to a place, inner healing, to a place where they can receive that Word, that's a sign and a wonder. That's the greatest of them all. No one comes to the Son unless drawn by the Father. All right, next week is going to be awesome. <laughs> so come for that. We're going to get real practical. Okay, we're going to talk about stewarding the responsibility of this because if, if you think what you're seeing now is a lot, I'm absolutely certain that the Spirit of God is about to break out in ways you haven't seen before because I can just tell by the trickle that's come. I can tell by the stories you're coming and telling me that we're just getting started, aren't we? <laughs> but I just want to bring to your remembrance one of the verses we read at like light speed <laughs> because I wanted to get through that stuff, um, was he said, freely you've, f freely, give, um, freely you've received, freely give, right? You only give what you have received. You only give what you have. Father, we ask that the spirit of prophecy is released. In other words, that your power is going out to execute these words that we are speaking in obedience, singing in obedience. Will you transform our hearts? Make us uh, a people that have received so much from you that it pours out in giving the, the peace and prosperity of the kingdom of heaven everywhere we go. In the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm.